welcome again to another segment of the Grassy Knoll. We made it to September 22nd, 2006. Summer officially is gone. Never leaves here, it seems. All right, we have with us today Adam Gorightly. He's been on quite a bit. Um, he's here to talk about a, uh, a new uh, work that he's dealing with. And um, a lot of good stuff today that ties in properly with what we've done the whole week. And Adam, uh, thanks once again for coming back. We're glad to have you and hope everything's okay. How about you? Always great being here, Viv. All right. I appreciate that. Now, you uh, tell us what you're working on. It's got something to do with somebody we've mentioned and has been mentioned on other shows as well. So will you lay that out for us, what's going on? Uh, yes, James Shelby Downer. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been uh, I'll, uh, piecing together a uh, book on uh, Downer for the last uh, year and a half here, and I still have a long ways to go. I've been juggling a uh, number of other projects and... Uh, also just released by uh, Feral House as, as a uh, book on uh, Downer. just came out uh, in the last few weeks, so it's a timely subject. And, and that uh, work, is that um, something of an autobiography by Downer? Yes, it is an autobiography entitled, uh, let's see, The uh, Carnivals of Life and Death, yeah. My Profane Youth, 1913 through 1935. Uh, when did he pass? Downer passed, if uh, Downer actually existed, uh, he passed in uh, 1998. And the reason I say if he actually existed, there's some uh, debate out there in some sectors that uh, Downer is some kind of literary uh, creation of uh, Michael Hoffman and William Gr- Grimstead and uh, Adam Parfrey. I don't necessarily... Uh, Believe those rumors, but uh, that speculation is out there. Well, that's real. Again, it's interesting. Uh, don't know if it can be documented whether or not it's true. So you're saying that there are, there is some thought that Downer is actually a personification, if you will, right. of a couple of alter egos. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you this, and you don't have to answer it. But uh, one thing I want to know from you, if if you recall reading King Kill uh, 33, can you do you see anybody in there? Anybody's writing style, perhaps? Um, well, it, it, it's, uh, you know, Michael Anthony Hoffman uh, was the co-author of that work. And uh, his uh, style definitely uh, comes through. I think what happened, I don't believe that Downard was a literary uh, creation, that he was a mentor to Michael Anthony Hoffman and these other writers, but uh, looking at... Uh, some of um, Downard's uh, actual manuscripts. He, he wasn't uh, the most polished writer, so I think these other uh, folks who were his prodigies uh, took some of his work and uh, smoothed, it, smoothed it out for uh, folks to make it more uh, readable. Uh, one uh, last question about that work, and that's probably what I'm going to get. Um, uh, do you know Porphyry at all? Uh, yes. Okay, I mean, um, what was his connection necessarily with Downard, or was it just because he's, he was heavily involved with the, what's that, the Feral House Publishing uh, Company? Uh, yeah, uh, Parfrey is really one of the uh, main key promoters of uh, Downard's work. He brought out uh, King Kill 33 and uh, he, he put out a couple of uh, 
anthologies, uh, pretty provocative, uh, called Apocalypse Culture. And the first one came out in the uh, late 80s, and that indeed featured uh, King Kill 33. Then he uh, published uh, subsequent works of uh, Downard, and then actually went out and uh, met the man in the uh, mid-90s or so, out there in, uh, where he lived at the time in uh, Kentucky, I believe. And so yet Downard's had an ongoing interest in... Uh, or excuse me, Parfrey's had an ongoing interest in Downard over the years, and apparently there's more material. As I said, this last book uh, deals with the period of 1913 through 35, so maybe uh, there'll be more material showing up here in uh, years to come. I really don't know how much more there is, but uh, that's a possibility. And my take on Downard is uh, my project's a little bit different. There will be some biographical uh, material in there as well, but I'm also kind of uh, taking some of his theories uh, and uh, mm-hmm. running with them myself and looking into them a little bit deeper and how they apply to the uh, current scene. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think one of the things we wanted to talk about perhaps uh, when you say theories that he had, uh, he threw out a lot of information. And I would have to say that like 99% of it dealt with some kind of symbology mm-hmm. uh, as it, as it um, can, um, I, I guess, instill itself in the, in the names of people and places and such. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you something, uh, because also the King Kill 33 is about the assassination of Kennedy. Uh, do you have a, a fiction writer that's like a favorite among others, yourself? I would put, uh, you know, off the top of my head, uh, Philip K. Dick. Okay. Well, mine's mine's a little more mainline, but it's somebody who is very well acquainted uh, with the state in which you live. Is that a hint at all? Uh, probably Orwell you're talking about. No, I've, I'm actually gotten a little mainstream, but I came across something um, that I'm just going to share, and we're just going to use this kind of like as a prologue, and off we'll go with uh, Downard. Actually, Steinbeck, I always... Oh, I like the best because to me he wrote. You know, I, I refer back. I think we we talked once about a guy that I um, had lived over in Vermont, who uh, was an editor with Viking and New Kerouac, and he's the one that said to me, "Don't say in two syllables what you can say in one." Mm-hmm. And I find that Steinbeck is very clean like that. You know what I mean? He doesn't get over wordy. Um, but here's what he wrote in the winter of our discontent. Uh, he said, it must be that there are years unlike other years, as different in climate and direction and mood as one can be, uh, one day can be from another. The year of 1960 was a year of change, a year when secret fears come into the open, when discontent stops being dormant and changes gradually to anger. Presidential nominations would be coming up soon, and in the air the discontent was changing to anger, and the excitement uh, anger brings. And it wasn't only this nation. The whole world stirred with restlessness and uneasiness as discontent moved to anger, and anger tried to find an outlet in action, any action, so long as it was violent. I just thought that was kind of interesting. He would say that uh, for what would eventually happen. (laughs) Yeah, that uh, falls in line with uh, Downer's writings as well. And that's why I thought it was kind of apropos. Um, I pulled it out the other day. um, uh, Lady Biz and I went out... uh, we had kind of a business thing going at last night, and we went to the uh, famous Catholic library for which I once worked. And I'm, I'm up there getting uh, Atlas Shrugged for certain reasons, so pray for me, you know what I mean? <laughs> to go through that thing. And I grabbed that one as well, because there's a couple of really good quotes in there. Oh, yeah. And, um, and so I just brought that home. That's a little bit more for uh, 
shall we say, relaxation, uh, considering all that uh, uh, both of us do and the topics in which we get involved. Right. Now, King Code 33. Um, first of all, explain that title if you would. <laughs> in, in three words or less. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> I can't do it in uh, three no. words or less, but... Uh, but we are talking about, is, would it be the Masonic ritual of killing the yeah. king? Um, the uh, premise of uh, King Kill 33 was that uh, a uh, free, uh, Masonic conspiracy went to the, this incredible length to make uh, JFK's assassination correspond uh, to this ancient fertility rite, which is known as the killing of the divine king that you know goes back to ancient uh, Druidic times. And so the authors claimed that this uh, hidden Masonic agenda has been common knowledge to uh, members of the media over the years who have chosen to uh, suppress this information uh, from the masses. And uh, in this regard, Michael Hoffman, he speaks from personal uh, experience. Uh, he spent a lot of times as a reporter for a major newspaper chain, Knight uh, Ritter. I have a quote here that uh, a couple quotes I pulled out to kind of sums up uh, what it was about, and this is from James Shelby uh, Downard, and quote, uh, the assassination of JFK was a performance of the occult ritual called the killing of the king, designed as a mass trauma, mind control, assault against the national body politic of the United States. Um, uh, you know, according to uh, Hoffman and Downard, this killing of the king or the killing of the divine king ritual's ultimate design was uh, the slow decay and uh, eventual ruin of the American uh, spirit. Yeah. And in the aftermath of uh, Kennedy's assassination, you know, if you follow this line of reasoning and acceleration of cultural events, uh, brought about, uh, I guess you could say, uh, loosening of morals to American culture, you know, from the breakthrough of the Beatles and the English invasion, which led to open rebellion in the streets and the uh, murders ad nauseum of uh, political leaders and activists. Uh, and some of this is tied in with the, the uh, plots uh, presumably hatched in Tavistock Institute Labs, which you've gotten into in the past, mm -hmm. that sex, drugs, and rock and roll were unleashed on a, an unwitting uh, populace who uh, flung themselves into this, you know, these good vibrations. Sock it to me, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, okay. I just want you to understand that I'm not mowing the lawn while I'm doing the uh, the interview. Uh -huh. <laughs> the, the machinery out there tells you the landscapers are, in fact, here. So. <laughs> I don't want that to be distracting for you. But go ahead. Go on with your thought, by all means, Adam. Um, so I pulled out another downward quote. Uh, uh, quote, the, uh, the ultimate purpose of the assassination was not uh, political or economic, but sorcerous for control of the dreaming mind is the underlying motive in this entire scenario, end quote. So, uh, this is me speaking again, so, uh, you know, JFK's in-your-face, over-the-top assassination really displayed to the nation in a subliminal, you know, yet not so subtle fashion that a president uh, slash king can, uh, you know, be disposed of crudely. 
like a dog in the street, you know, in broad daylight. And if this is the case, then none of us are safe. Um, uh, let me go back to something. Okay, I, I, I want to ask you something um, with regard to what you had said uh, along mm-hmm. this. Uh, uh, with, uh, should I just hold off now, or is this a good time to do it? Oh, no, go for it. You know, s- somebody sent me an email. Oh, it was Lady O from uh, Manitoba. And she had just seen a, a documentary, which I really should get a, around to watching, uh, a bit about they sold their souls for rock and roll. Have you uh-huh. heard about this? No. Okay. Um, so that just happened this morning. And then just listening to what you said, and I'm thinking back, you know, because I'm that generation. Now, I'm going to state this to you. It may seem like a, a foolish question, but, I mean, I've never really posed it before, so if it is, it's still honest. And now I'm wondering... Now that we know about Tavistock and Stanford Research Institute and places that, you know, are, are just dedicated to my manipulation of the masses, could it be that we were given the drugs, we were given the rock and roll and the rebellion, and we were given pretty much a, a Pandora's box of, to, to open for anything we wanted? And as we saw, we had Kent State, we had before that all the protests. So where I'm going with this, Adam... I'm wondering now what, what my generation is, um, what we really are, what we stood for, or what, what we're going to be remembered for, and did we accomplish something for, you know, the psychological op people, and, and are we going to see some kind of fruits of that, or whatever you want to call it, manifestation of it soon? So in other words, they, well, we thought we were doing something different, and this was all our idea. It really might not have been, huh? Yeah, I've turned this uh, over in my mind many, many, many times. Um, I don't have a, any type of uh, conclusive answer for you. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the uh, intelligence agencies, in particular the ones uh, screwing around with MKUltra, were there at the very beginning of the uh, counterculture revolution uh Feeding drugs into it, mm-hmm. uh, monitoring it, and manipulating it. Now, uh, perhaps in some cases, uh, those of your generations uh, broke broke free of the uh, programming. I hope I hope that's the uh, the case. Uh, but uh, it really seemed like at uh, at some point the. Uh, the anti-war movement and the political activists were a bit uh, derailed by, uh, you know, uh, bringing in uh, all these uh, various drugs such as LSD that uh, kind of took them away from their political activism and made them draw more inward toward uh, personal experiences. Not to say those personal experiences, uh, mystical experiences, didn't have value, but... uh, you know, that's something that just seemed to happen. Well, even the idea of getting LSD out there as a street drug and where it came from, which were military labs, that already has got to make you go, hmm, you know, yeah. as far as it being a setup. Uh, and then, of course, the rebellion and such. And I guess what I'm looking around at now is that I don't think, I'll, I'll be frank with you, I don't think my generation have been very good parents. I don't think they ever uh, stopped being kids or indulging themselves, and this is generalism, so I understand. Yeah. And I look at their little demon seed, and I'm like, whoa, you know? So did, did, 
was something done during the 50s and 60s to create a disruption in social order to get to the chaos, and we know where that leads eventually. Mm-hmm. So uh, it may not have been such a, uh, um, I, I guess, a prophetic thing to say, but uh, until you just put the words together now, I'm wondering if the whole joke was on us. I mean, I, I keep on expanding, you know, the joke is on us to include more and more because we all refer back to the Matrix. And now I'm saying, gee, you know, it may even be bigger than I thought it was. Well, you know, and all those counterculture figures were and are, you know, still big heroes of mine starting at, uh, you know, with Kerouac on through Ken Kesey and mm-hmm. uh, the... Uh, Timothy Leary's and uh, 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 figures of that ilk, but uh, you know you also have to uh, consider that they were all dupes and pawns, well, perhaps yeah. uh, witting pawns in some instances. It makes you look back at Kesey to a certain extent, also, for being able. You know, of course, he had the unauthorized acid, and, and that's what fueled that entire um, um, a trip across country and the, and the bus that was titled Further. Uh, and, and is, I guess, what is the um, the, the, the focus of the book, uh, The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test by Tom Wolfe. Yeah. But now you guys start to wonder about, you know, Kesey as well. Uh, did he know? And he certainly was an intelligent individual. And, of course, where was he? He was at Stanford, where, where there's SRI. So now things start to take a little bit of a different look uh, about that. So was um, Allen Ginsberg, you know, part of the... Uh, sure. Beat, Kerouac's beat movement. Well, you got Ginsberg and you got Cassidy. Dead. Right. Once known as the Warlocks. Yeah, Garcia was part of that whole uh, sure. scene at Stanford. Well, you have um, as Ginsburg and Cassidy being the linchpins where the beats morph into the hippies. And uh, right. would you agree with that? I don't want to make that a, uh, a you know, a, 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 a already decided. Ca- catch who was the linchpin? Uh, I would say Ginsburg and Neil Cassidy. Right, yeah. And, of course, yeah, Cassidy went on to be the bus driver for Ken Kesey. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of connections there. So at least uh, thanks for brooking um, my thinking on my feet, which is always a frightening experience. <laughs> uh, getting back to King Kill 33 now, uh, I don't know which direction you want to go, but may I, can I suggest that, that Kennedy had to be killed in a certain fashion, in a certain place? Mm-hmm. Now, run with that if you would. That's where we uh, get into um, what's called mystical toponymy. It translated uh, means? And, uh, well, it's a central theme of this whole uh, downwardian uh, cosmology. Mm-hmm. And uh, mystical toponymy uh, relates to uh, latitude and longitude longitude lines that connect uh, to uh, significant places uh, linked to the uh, Kennedy assassination, such as uh, Dealey Plaza, which falls on the uh, 33rd uh, degree. I have another quote here, Andy, uh, uh, quoting uh, Downer and Hoffman, uh, mystical toponymy incorporates word wizardry, which is known as automatology, and the modern science of symbolism, in quote. Uh, the authors in their uh, work use the example of Mason Road, which uh, runs across Texas as being linked uh, to the 33-degree uh, latitude. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, it could be argued that if you look hard enough for a connection to something, you'll eventually uh, find one. Right. 
Um, another example of this word wizardry or onomatology that I dug out from their work has to do with uh, a fake ruby. A fake ruby uh, in the gemstone business is known as a jack ruby, also referred to as a bloodstone. Uh, so con- to conceal the facts behind the JFK assassination from the public, it was by design that uh, Jacob Rubenstein changed his name to Jack Ruby, the figurative spiller of blood. Uh, so these Freemasonic death rituals, once again according to the Downerdian uh, paradigm, are conducted on the 33rd degree. The 33rd degree, of course, being the highest degree of Freemasonry. Interestingly enough, um, I have some friends who are doing some research along these lines, and they discovered that Disneyland is on the uh, 33rd degree <laughs> latitude. Uh, I wouldn't laugh too much, Biz. Uh, uh, also at Disneyland, have you heard of Club 33? Oh, no. You, you know, I, you might think once, it wrote me in an email just kicking things around, about some of the strange things that take place at Disneyland. Wasn't it you, Adam? Probably so. Oh, yeah, about... We discussed this before, I think. Yeah, I, you know, I can't remember. You've been on so many times across the years, and I'm never sure if it's something we write about, talk off bike, or do a show on. So, yeah, now it comes back to me about Disneyland and its whole uh, structure over there is a little bit interesting, shall we say. And they've got, oh, my goodness, a Club 33. Right, and it's the only... Uh it's a private club on Disneyland, and uh, the only place there that uh, actually uh, serves alcohol, and uh, seems to be, you know, linked to uh, Freemasonry and this whole 33rd degree uh, concept. I wrote an article also years ago that dealt with the many deaths that have occurred on the uh, grounds of Disneyland that have been covered up over right. the years, you know, right. part of an ongoing conspiracy of sorts. Um, well, do you, well, well, first of all, Walt was an interesting guy, and he also was a Freemason, wasn't he? Uh, so I've heard. Okay. I can't confirm that totally, but... Um, and is that article that you wrote about um, life and death in Disneyland, is that on your website? Uh, no, I don't think it's on the uh, web anywhere. Let me think about oh, that. Bad. It might have appeared on uh, uh, Wing TV's page at one time, but it's in my book, uh, The Beast of Adam Go Rightly. All right, and let's, uh, while we're there, let's talk uh, about the website. Give us the website and the books that you have out there and, and everything else that's uh, um, up for offer. Uh, AdamGoRightly.com, and uh, you can... Uh, buy all my books directly there and you can buy buy uh, signed copies as well and there's uh, three actually four books the book on Manson Shadow over Santa Susanna the book on Carrie Thornley Prankster and the Conspiracy then um, the latest the uh, anthology uh, The Beast of Adam Go Rightly as well as the uh, Wing TV chat book Death Colts um, and there it's all it, all this stuff's available through Amazon as well. Okay, so folks, good. Good plug. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's the way the game's played, is it? Um, that, that's why we like having you on, and that's why you come on. No, but um, going back to what you were saying, and, I, and I, I'm going to just like, try to coach you and see if you can get that, if you can put that article up on your website sometime. Um, uh, I, a lot of us have missed that, and I wouldn't like to think that it's okay. gone forever. Let me, yeah, let me do some research. It might be somewhere posted, okay. actually. 
Um, now, we heard from you not to laugh at Disneyland and such, and we know that the 33rd degree parallel uh, out by Disneyland is about almost as far as you can go before you get wet. Now, if you take the 33 parallel the other way, about as yeah. far as you can go before you get wet, put you to what city? It'll take you to a few interesting places, and it's uh, kind of where I was going. Okay. Well, the eastern, the eastern terminus, obviously, is Charleston, mm-hmm. South Carolina. And who set up shop in Charleston? Albert Pike. Oh, that's interesting to know. I'll okay, <laughs> Albert. my notes. Albert Pike uh, set up what was the headquarters of Freemasonry mm. in Charleston. And, wow. um, yeah, and if you look uh, in, I guess, the first few pages of uh, Morals and Dogma, I will state such. But, yeah, it was interesting that he chose a city on the 33rd degree parallel to yeah. create what would be necessarily, uh, for at least the Scottish Rite, a Western Hemisphere headquarters. Coincidence? Uh, hmm. <laughs> All right, so let's work with what we have in between both coasts, and uh, I'll let you start the trip there. Oh, we're, we're taking the 33rd uh, degree uh, parallel? Oh, we'll go anywhere you want, but I didn't know if that's where you wanted to hit some of the... Uh... I, th- I think we'll get there in a second. I wanted to no uh, address the central thesis uh, in de- Downard's uh, uh, conspiracy okay. theories, and that... Uh, basically that the Masonic conspiracy is attempting to carry out what he calls the three great works of uh, alchemy. And uh, the first one is the creation and destruction of primordial matter. The uh, second is the killing of the king, who is Kennedy, and the third is what is known as the making manifest of all that is unseen, which will be the final act. So according to Downer, the first of these three great works, which was, you know, the creation and destruction of primordial matter, this was achieved on uh, July 16th, 1945 in Alamogordo, New Mexico mm-hmm. at the uh, Trinity uh, Nuclear Detonation Site, which just so happens to be on, you guessed it, boys and girls? Would that be? Third degree. Right. Isn't it interesting, too, the use of the word Trinity, which also pops up in Dealey Plaza, I believe, as well? Mm-hmm. You have the triple overpass there, for instance. Yeah, and the triumph. You have the three tramps. Yeah, the three and tramps, right. Three is a uh, significant number in uh, Freemasonry as well. Um, yeah, and uh, the, the, the three streets in Dealey Plaza, uh, Elm, Ma- uh, Main, and Commerce, for, form a trident-like exit out of the city. I would believe right. that's to the yeah, they west go, side. They, they go through the uh, that triple underpass. Yeah, where 35 goes over the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so here we got Almogordo, New Mexico, where they, um, which is famous for nuclear tests and other things, right? Right. Yeah. And it's and and, and what was the name of it? The Trinity what? The uh, Trinity Nuclear de- Detonation. Okay. Okay. You know, of course, this led to uh, what we did in uh, Hiroshima, Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I could uh, veer off in a couple uh, different directions here, but uh, the uh, King Kill, as I discovered, it draws upon a larger uh, work which uh, surfaced in the uh, mid-70s and was produced by Downard and his colleague William Grimstead. Uh, it was called Serious Rising. 
after the dog star series and uh, where they presented the theory that the Illuminati were preparing Earth in an occult manner for extraterrestrial uh, contact and uh, part of this magical preparation consisted of such acts as uh, the founding of uh, Caltech in there in Southern California where Jack Parsons uh, he attended in which uh, Jet Propulsion Laboratories uh, grew out of and was uh, uh, located on the 33rd uh, degree. Then, uh, of course, you know, Parsons played a major uh, part in the uh, uh, rocket technology. Um, then they go on to talk about the firing of the moon rockets, which uh, happened at Cape Kennedy on the 33rd degree, and that the Illuminati arranged it so the first man on the moon was a 33rd degree mason. And who wore his apron in one of the photos? I wasn't aware of that, but yeah, yeah. apparently Neil Armstrong was a 33rd degree mason. Uh, it should also be noted that the alleged, supposed, whatever you want to call it, the saucer crash in Roswell happened on the 33rd degree uh, parallel. I also think the town of Truth or Consequences in New Mexico is on the Ooh. 33. You're right, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of it they go into in the uh, book uh, King Kill 33. I just want to tell everybody uh, listening, uh, if you wish, you know, by all means, uh, you got a comment, send it along. You're going to use IM services. You've got Yahoo, which is Biz 1400. You've got MSN. It's Visigoth, and you can send stuff, and people are doing it uh, via uh, Hotmail, and that would be uh, Visigoth at Hotmail.com. So I've got a, a statement for you, Adam, if uh, you got a second. A listener writes, um, what happened in the 60s happened also uh, in a somewhat cruder fashion in the 20s uh, during Prohibition. And, we, you know, that's another thing. We all, we all forget about a lot of the... Um, decadence that was taking place in the United States at that time, and also Germany, which is captured in that movie, uh, Cabaret. It says, uh, so many brilliant talents were destroyed uh, drinking the bad booze of the time. Uh, it says, not necessarily conspiracy, but a parallel. Uh, States Club 33 plays a prominent part in Ruff's uh, Sewer, Gas, and Electric. Are you familiar with that book? <laughs> Repeat that again. All right. Yeah, let me, let me turn around a second away from the mic. I didn't bring it in with me. What, what's the name of the book? The book's name is Sewer, I think it's Sewer, Gas, and Electric. All right? I'm familiar. And it's by an uh, author by the name of Roth. Now, what's interesting about this one, now, um, uh, Andy from Utica is telling us that Club 33 plays a, a big part in this book. This is another one of these books before 2001 and such that kind of made, shall we say, you know, guesses mm -hmm. that came true. And also, the original cover had on it the Twin Towers being impacted. Now, the book I just got, um, that the, um, the cover's been changed. Wow. Now, also it says, are you, <laughs> he asked me, are, are, are you sure you want to continue drinking Rolling Rock beer? How more blatant can they get? And let me say this. <clears throat> I pulled out a bottle, as you can hear, and on the back, get this item. It says, you know, from the glass line tanks of old Latrobe, we tender this premium beer for your enjoyment as a tribute to your good taste. It comes from the mountain spring to you and inexplicably, right below to you, in quotation marks, is the number, you want to take a wild guess? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you 
You're right, Andy. I saw that. I was like, woo, you know, I have to be. Yeah, I think I've heard that before. So what is up with that? We've got, we got to find out who he is and what, what he was doing, the founder. Uh, also, uh, it's written, and this is the last sentence, the Kennedy thing rings a bell. They threw my father out of the Masonic Lodge for marrying a Catholic. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, some would say, as Dr., uh, I think it's Walter Veith, that it, it was the Freemasons, um, let's see, well, how would this go? That, oh, I know what it was. That the Jesuits created Freemasonry and got all the Protestants in there. Um, but actually, when it, supposedly there was this um, bad blood between the Catholic Church and the, the Masons, right? Which may have been a once, one upon, once upon a time, but certainly you know it didn't seem to be uh, you know too much of a problem in time to come. But the fact that he would say that the Jesuits would create that, that Masonic society and load it with Protestants. Mm-hmm. So, okay. That's from Andy up in Utica, and so go ahead, Adam, where you want to go again. Let's um, let's back up. We talked about the um, three great works of alchemy. So we have the uh, creation and destruction of primordial matter, which we discussed from the Trinity uh, detonations. That was the first act. The second was the killing of the king, and the uh, third has yet to happen, which is the making manifest of all that is unseen, the final act, which some think might be uh, nuclear in nature. Um, So bringing all of this about is what's known as the revelation of the method, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, uh, That one I'm going to tell you have to refresh my memory. Okay. I'll quote uh, Hoffman once again from his book, Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare where he describes the revelation of the method. uh, Quote, The revelation of the method has as its chief component a clown-like grinning mockery of the victims as a show of power and macabre arrogance. When this is performed in a veiled manner accompanied by certain occult sign and symbolical words and elicits no meaningful response of opposition or resistance from the targets, it is one of the most efficacious techniques of psychological warfare and mind rape, end quote, uh, you know, such as the Kennedy assassination. Now, a second quote here from Hoffman, he goes on, quote, by means of occult public rituals disguised as random terrorism and serial murder, we are controlled and processed. The language of symbolism is used to speak to our subconscious, to reveal to us the exact opposite of what is propounded by the system in its rational discourse, in quote. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, Go ahead. In, in this regard, I guess, it, it could be perceived that the revelation of the method is uh, unfolding at a rapid pace these days, triggered by uh, the Twin Towers tragedy and you know, designed to transform the planet into a uh, totalitarian, totalitarian concentration camp uh, and, and, and result of the uh, New World Order's agenda. So, What was the phrase they used for that, that third um, uh, happening? The third happening is the making manifest of all that is unseen. Oh, uh, okay. So the, fi- the final act, whatever that may be. Yeah, all right, so that would mean they would finally uh, 
reveal reveal all, which means that pretty much the game is up to the little people. Right. Uh, you know what's interesting also too, um, and, I, and I, I, let's say this also: uh, uh, Michael's still selling uh, King Kill 33 on his site, is he not? Yes. All right. So, folks, if you want to read this, this is not a long read, but I'll tell you what: it is just absolutely jam-packed and loaded with things that will make you definitely stop and, uh, and give pause to uh, wonder about. Um, I, I have to say it may be a bad word for it, you know, Adam, but it was extremely entertaining. And if you even can believe that half of what he stated there was not coincidence, it's still pretty much uh, spine-tingling. <laughs> yeah. Some of it, at first look, uh, like a lot of Downard's work, comes across as pretty... Uh, outlandish and unbelievable, you know, but uh, on second reading, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, at second glance, it appears to uh, be something, there appears to be something eerily compelling about these theories. Uh, they seem to crawl into your skin and insinuate themselves in your psyche. Well, There's you, something to it. Well, I mean, uh, here's one. I mean, maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it was... Um, Coincidence, but even Kennedy's name in Gaelic is it translate? Well, it translates either to helmet head or wounded head. Oh yeah, Kennedy, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kennedy, I think it's called. Yeah. Now that might be a coincidence, but still, no. I mean, that's eerie in itself. Yeah. And another thing, you know, when 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 uh, Downard is likening, I guess, the killing of Kennedy to um, with sort of a Macbeth motif. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that also is obviously Macbeth was in Scotland, and you know, of course we, we talk about Scottish Rite Freemasonry. But one of the things we always talk about that's very Orwellian and also Jesuitical and more or less kind of a, a code for the Illuminati or whatever is the using contradictory terms that really do make sense. Like as you know, in 1984 and yesterday we spoke about war is peace and slavery is freedom. Mm-hmm. But we've forgotten what the witches say right in the beginning of Macbeth. Fair is foul, and foul is fair. And um, and he says, uh, Downard says, this is reminiscent of hermetic art or alchemy, as well as the individuation or shaping of an integrated personality in the psychology of Jung, in which the archetype of unity, the Yetzer Haran, the Yetzer Hatav of the Jews, and the mingling of all with all is manifested. Well, that's a mouthful and a half, you know, but... But still in all, you know, again, looking back, and, and here's some more clues in a sense, with fair is foul and foul is fair. So, um... Indeed. Yeah, and um, that's just one of the likenings he has between the Macbeth story and the story, obviously, of uh, the assassination of President Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I've ever asked you this. I'm kind of interested. Um... You know that there's so much out there on how it happened. You get the gemstone file saying one thing. You've got Madeline Brown writing about something else. Have you ever been able, to your own satisfaction, been able to come down to a particular scenario? No. <laughs> in a word, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I read, you know, looked in it so deeply over the years. The deeper I got into it, the more confused I uh, became. Because it seems like uh, there were so many red herrings uh, thrown in by different, uh, uh, perhaps people spreading disinformation to, uh, you know, muddy muddy the waters or uh, cover their own paths that uh, 
you know, they, uh, that was part of the uh, cover-up, probably a, a good portion of a lot of the books that came out about uh, the Kennedy assassination were uh, disinformation. Um, I think ultimately it was a uh, cabal of uh, many different players uh, from the, you know, the uh, intelligence community and perhaps the players in the intelligence uh, community were uh, rogue agents in a lot of cases. The uh, mafia was definitely uh, mm-hmm. tied up in the uh, thing. There, there was a lot of, uh, maybe even LBJ, but there was a lot of... Uh, people with uh, at least justifications in their mind why they needed to take Kennedy out. Mm-hmm. You know, as I look back, and we'll, we'll get back to the, uh, the core of, uh, <clears throat> of uh, Downard's work, I, I think back now that perhaps one of the uh, the true litmus test is, is what uh, Garrison was going after, because I doubt that they would have uh, tried to smear him uh, and demonize him uh, if he was really barking up the wrong tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing um, coming upon uh, what was said in Macbeth, again, that has, I think, Masonic overtones, again, is when it says, uh, uh, when the hurly-burly's done, when the battle's lost and won, for so foul and fair a day. Again, seeing contradictions, it sounds like nonsense, but really is at the core of a lot of what we're talking about today, isn't it? Yeah, that uh, quote, it's interesting. Uh, for many years, uh, Downward, Downard uh, carried uh, around a uh, photo, uh, the famous photo aboard uh, Air Force One when uh, LBJ's getting uh, sworn in. Right. Jackie Kennedy's at his side. And there's another individual there, and I forget who it was, somebody on in uh, LBJ's cabinet who's winking his eye. You know, that's that's made a, um, a resurgence. Have you has anybody sent it to you of uh, the last couple of weeks? Uh, n- not a, not recently, no. Uh, I got sent from a, uh, from somebody out in uh, uh, in Virginia. Uh, it would be hard to say in a court of law that was a true wink. You know, people sometimes blink their eyes at bad times. But what does seem a little interesting is that this is the photo either before or after the photo you saw in the papers, where he's so solemn and, sh- and of course she's grieving. This picture's got this guy. And certainly LBJ has turned to look at him. Right. And I can only say, and again, it's tough to, to hang on, but if you look at the way that his skin is wrinkled, it is not necessarily someone who's frowning. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, folks, if you can see that photo, if it's out there, go take a look. Uh, it's, I'll say it's interesting to say the least. I think it uh, used to be on uh, the uh, Steam Shovel Press site. Okay. Might still be up on their... Uh, Good site to check out. Uh, great parapolitical magazine, actually. Steam Shovel Press. Now, this whole idea, too, of uh, Kennedy being assassinated, assassinated and, and it would have to also uh, be accompanied by a headshot, a head wound, this also doesn't it kind of um, harken back or allude to the whole story of uh, Osiris, Isis, and Horus, doesn't it? It sounds like you're more knowledgeable about that than I am. Fill me in. Oh, all right. Okay. Um, Osiris dies of a head wound dealt him by, I believe it's his brother Typhon. Uh, Typhon chops his body up into 14 parts and scatters him so he can't ever be put back together again. Mm-hmm. Isis, Osiris's <clears throat> wife's sister, however you want to run it, 
uh, finds 13 of the parts, right? And then uh, can't find, uh, obviously, his penis, so that's how she creates a phallic that we now know as an obelisk. Mm-hmm. Um, again, here we have a head wound that kills the king, and actually, you do have a missing part, don't you, with Kennedy? And I would believe that would be, where did the brain go? So, I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar that that thing disappeared, but it, it's no longer to be found. The ring? The brain. Oh, the brain. I thought you said the ring. Yeah, yeah I'm, yes, I am quite aware that uh, the, the brain did turn up uh, missing from, where was it, the National Archives? Yeah, it was, yep, exactly, exactly. Uh, you bring up Osiris and the uh, Egyptian uh, myths, and uh, once again, according to some researchers, scholars, that's the genesis of uh, Freemasonry. Came out of those uh, Egyptian mystery schools. Yeah, I mean William Cooper spoke a lot to that, and most of the people that come on are pretty much um, supporting that there's a continuum of mystery Babylon religion through Egyptian sun god worship. Mm-hmm. and into Freemasonry because after all it was uh, probably amongst others but it was the um, the Knights Templar who went down there and came back with the geometry which allowed obviously uh, European architects and such to be able to do much better than they had pr- prior the Flying Butchers Cathedral I guess is one of the best examples of uh, the building that was possible after the the, uh, the bringing back of geometry but also with that came the other shall we say esoteric knowledge that, uh, I guess, from which uh, Freemasonry sprang. Mm-hmm. Are you a Mason? <laughs> I, as a joke, I put that on one of my books that I was a 33rd uh, degree uh, Mason, but uh, actually that was a uh, misprint. I'm actually a uh, 23rd degree Discordian in the Discordian oh, Society. Right. And my... Uh, name in the uh, Discordian Society is the wrong Reverend Houdini Kundalini of the Church of Unwavering Indifference. Well, I tell you what, your website has to start selling shirts because uh, if you do it, they will come. (laughs) Are you familiar with Reverend Bob? Um, There's a lot of Reverend Bob Uh, out there. Bob Dobbs? Yeah, 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 Bob Dobbs. That's Harry's favorite. Yeah, I think he's, he's been ordained in that sect. Yeah, they uh, worship the uh, floating head of Arnold Palmer. <laughs> We're getting way away. I know. The other thing that's interesting also, though, he's, his brain winds up missing, but of course what does appear is the magic bullet, which I won't go too far with the fact that it does look a little obelisk-like, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Man, I can use a lot of this for my book, which we've been bringing up here today. Well, you know what's interesting as well is Arnold Spector, who, who sold that, that steaming pile of dung to the public, He's some kind of specter, all right. It, well, that's another interesting um, uh, name. And uh, what was it called? Anamada, was it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to. I have it here. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm looking for me. But basically, it's word wizardry, and there's that uh, name for it, onomatology. I got it. Oh, yeah, here it is. And, and actually, this comes from the Encyclopedia of Freemasonry. This is a quote. Yeah. It says, it is certain that uh, onomatology, or the science of names, forms a very interesting part of the investigations of the higher masonry, and it is only in this way that any connection can be created between the two sciences. Hmm. Interesting. But it's out of their own. Cyclopedia Free Masonry by Albert Mackey. Yeah. And uh, 
just as another sideboard, you think this is really interesting. Should there be this falling out, supposedly, between uh, Freemasonry and uh, the Catholic Church, who it's rumored created the Knights of Columba, who became the Knights of Columbus to be their own little secret society. But um, Harry and I uh, found great uh, little kid glee in the fact that we could go to the reference section in that Catholic library, and sitting there, unbeknownst to any of the directors and such, were two beautiful, leather-bound uh, volumes of Mackey's Encyclopedia of Freemasonry. Mm-hmm. I mean, of, if the pictures on the walls get talk, boy, but I'll tell you. I, I don't know that much about, you know, the battle between uh, Freemasonry and Catholicism, but uh, according to uh, some sources at uh, some point uh, uh, during this battle, uh, Catholicism was infiltrated by uh, Freemasonry and now is a, a tool of, of Freemasonry. Hmm. Um, and, that, and that the war is just a, uh, or the, the battle conflict is just a uh, ruse at this point. Well, that I can believe. I, you know, I think a lot of the divisions are there for our consumption, but it's also as a distraction. I got an email from um, a good sister here uh, who runs uh, Cephas Ministry uh, website. And um, I'm, I'm going to, I guess, get involved with somebody who did a video. But a statement was made, and she passed the statement along to me about the um, how there are some similar trappings between Nazism, let's say, and Islam. And that kind of makes sense, too, because you have characters like Sibetendorf and some others who uh, studied down there and came back to Germany. And I guess you could say created this little Islamo-fascist thing. But I also wrote back and I said, you better throw the Vatican in there, too, because they have had their way with both of these groups. And I think that makes more sense as well, um, because obviously you know that the Vatican spirited out uh, Nazis in Operation Paperclip. And also, um, uh, as, as Beef has documented, has had a lot of influence both, um, I would say, positive and negatively with, uh, with Islam, and especially in its early days. Yeah. So, And one of the interesting things I might add is that um, uh, another name I believe they have for Mary is what Fatima, and what should uh, Muhammad's daughter's name be? Hmm, okay. So uh, just probably another coincidence. Yeah. All right, now going, going back to Downer's work, and by the way, um, with this book that's coming out of his... And do you know, are there any other manuscripts laying around that might ever come up? To, uh, has Michael ever said anything about that? or Michael Hoffman? Yeah. I think uh, anything that's going to come out, uh, Parfrey is going to be playing a big part of. And uh, they're, they're all kind of involved uh, with each other, Hoffman with uh, and uh, Grimstead, who's still around. Uh, really? With Parfrey. But... I, I don't know how much is actually uh, there. I talked, uh, one thing I've been trying to get my hands on is this uh, audio tape they did of uh, called Serious Rising, which I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. which, you know, was uh, circulating back in the mid-70s, and I talked to William Grimstead about it, and he said, oh, well, I got the uh, tape somewhere in my garage, and they'd have to be transferred and all this <laughs> type of stuff, so if, if those ever resurface, they'd sh- certainly be a uh, curiosity, and I, I've i been uh, collecting stuff uh, over the years, so I have uh, a few odds and ends by Downer that uh, haven't been published before, so there, there's still some material out there. Uh, I don't know if, it, like I said, this uh, 
biography coming out covers the years of 1913 through 35, uh, and uh, I don't know if there's going to be a follow-up to it that covers his uh, later years. Yeah, yeah. Now, the work that you're doing, um, are, we, are we looking at something that's going to be a couple of hundred pages? Hard to say. Probably in that range, yeah. But and did you have a tentative title for it? Uh, the tentative title is Downard's Mystical War. And I, the next question I was going to ask you, and probably one of the last I'll be able to as we come up on about uh, 53 minutes uh, after the hour, uh, you use that term war, and of course uh, the book that's coming out by Downard talks about the carnivals of life and death. Now, taking both those interesting visuals, if you will, um, did he go through some kind of hell or what? Yeah, let me uh, paint the picture. Probably should have done this at the beginning. Uh, uh, his saga, I guess you could call it, first took a turn for the weird in the 30s when he was recruited into the FBI. Well, that'll do it to anybody. I'm, I'm example. Which he referred to as the Bureau of Easy Virtue. And uh, <laughs> anyway, this association took the form of what he called the mystical charade, which led to a bunch of spooky adventures where he ended up being kidnapped and duped and hoodwinked by uh, members of Freemasonry. And he claimed he became what is known as the far Farmakos, or a scapegoat of these early 20th century uh, Freemasons, and this is what's chronicled in the uh, new book. Anyway, at uh, some point, he broke uh, free of this uh, programming and, uh, you know, started this battle against what he called these Masonic uh, sorcerers. Uh, uh, the key conspirators uh, among them, he claimed, were uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, <laughs> mm -hmm. and that uh, at one time he, uh, he was a guest of Roosevelt in the uh, Oval Office, all part of this mysterious, mystical charade seemingly uh, designed as part of a death rituals. Death rituals were used quite a bit. Uh, and downward was led into these things, and uh, you know Freemason rituals. Uh, Freemasons are into this whole death rebirth stuff, the same kind of weird rituals that the Skull and Bones yeah. are into. That's right. And so throughout downward downward's account, uh, he was kidnapped and led into these various rituals, but he rebelled against Freemasonry, high-level Freemasons, and you know they became his sworn enemies. So from these experiences, he gained an unique insight into the inner workings of the secret societies, which led to uh, King Kill 33 and his other works. Uh, what we didn't get to today, and we, we could go on forever, but um, <clears throat> I was going to try to refer to, uh, um, I, I, I don't know, it's a book, but I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously not a, a very a long one called Death Cults. Now, do you have it available yourself now on your own website? Because it once was up for sale with Wing TV. Um, as far as I, is it still for sale by Wing TV? Well, let's put it this way: the copy that I purchased, or either that, or you gave to me a long time ago, uh, has the Wing logo on the back. It, it should still be available for Wing TV unless they've uh, stopped that okay. uh, series or pulled mine. Yeah, it should. You can go to my website. The last I. Uh, uh, was aware of and click on that and it'll take you to the Wing TV okay. uh, site. And I, actually, I do have some copies myself that I can sell and I'll sign them. Okay. 
Uh, that is difficult. There are also a number of other titles up there. Uh, you can access them by going to adamgorightly.com. Just go to the books, and uh, you'll find a lot of his titles there. Uh, and you do have death cults, as I see that, uh, up on your site, so you must also be a vendor of your own material, which isn't a bad idea. Yeah. You also have Sh- uh, Shadow Over Santa Susana, Prankster and Conspiracy, uh, uh, Death Cults is there, and what else are we missing? Um, and also you have the best of. Yeah. The yep. beast of. That should cover it. There's plenty of other things in the works, so stay tuned. All right, listen, thanks for being with us again. We'll probably check in with you next month, but that's okay. Great. Oh, yeah, anytime. Yes. All right, thanks very much, Adam, and uh, have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thanks.